Welcome to episode 7 of Let's Watch Cop Rock, an 11-episode podcast discussing that classic police procedural rock musical soap opera crime drama, Cop Rock, 11 episodes of which aired on ABC during the fall of 1990. Over the course of this podcast as a whole, we discuss the events of the show, our reactions to the music, and the ways this program worked or didn't work, and why some of it still seems very relevant today. Sometimes we get political, sometimes we crack up uncontrollably, sometimes we tell unbelievable but entirely true stories of our own lives, intersections with crime or law enforcement or both. Every episode we play good cop, bad cop, or innocent bystander. In episode 6, we discussed the ways cop rock still feels current, especially around questions of race and American culture and politics. That thread continues in this episode, which is almost twice as long as other episodes because there's so much to unpack. This episode does contain discussion of some really explicitly racist material contained in the episode of the show. That's just a heads up. This stuff is important to talk about, perhaps now more than ever, we like to think we live in an enlightened age in which these things no longer happen, but a cursory glance at the news of the day will show that is not the case. These questions of equality and racism and access and privilege are ones with which we still struggle on societal and personal levels. As the show goes on, these questions are explored in other interesting ways, too. Keep watching and listening, listeners, because Coprock has some interesting stuff for us to consider nearly three decades later. Watch the seventh episode of Cop Rock before listening. Trust me, it'll make a lot more sense that way. You can get Cop Rock on Amazon or direct from Shop Factory. There are links to each in the show notes, and I just want to remind you, we are not affiliated with Shop Factory, we're not affiliated with the production of Cop Rock, and we gain nothing from that purchase. You can find Officer Orifice on Twitter as at Officer Orifice, and I'm there too as at Cop Rocker. Our theme music, as always, is The Crime by Risework, with full attribution in the show notes. And now, let's watch Cop Rock. I was guilty of the crime. I was punished. I was guilty of the crime. I was some popcorn and watching the next bit although of course the crunch might um might uh yeah I, I won't be able to hear what they're sing singing or <laughs> saying over the crunch of the popcorn oh, there's a tragedy I know well I don't want any, I don't want to miss any of their bon mots do I mm. <laughs> bon mots bon mots I've never heard it said. It's one of those like reader vocabulary. Yeah, problems. exactly. And you see, yeah. like, oh yeah, bon. Mots. You don't want to say it in polite company, do you? You don't feel like, oh yeah, that's a good bon mot. <laughs> um, that's a social faux pokes. <laughs> well, it's kind of like there was something pokes. that I thought it was going to be like say la vie or whatever, and I have no idea what. A silly guerre. Uh, that's war. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Because mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I've never heard that. I didn't know mm-hmm. what he said. What's that? Sally Gare, the Gare. reporter who's going to write the story out in Ray. Oh yeah. Um, he says, you know, if there's some casualties, then Sally Gare. Oh. Which is that's war. During World War II, it was really popular in France. This is the sort of trivia that writers <laughs> learn. Um, I wrote a short story set in World War II France, um, but Sailing uh, Gare was meant as like sort of a, a like if you went to the market and they didn't have any vegetables, uh-huh. then and if you want and you just wanted to like indicate like oh well it's out of my control and and whatever like here we'd say like that's life you know or whatever yeah. or they could say c'est la vie. But um, then they would say Sailor Gare. Mm-hmm. And just like everything minor and bad that happened, they would just blame on the war so that they could just forget about it. Uh, and then like Sailor Gare became a phrase that people used that later like people used to mean literally that's war, not mm-hmm. like I don't care about it because of the war. Uh-huh. Oh, so like during that Sailor time Gare. frame, it was kind of like blaming it on the war. And then now yeah. it's kind of like that's war. Like Yeah. I mean, and you could use it literally too. Somebody mm-hmm. could be like, you know, well, we don't. We're not going to have fresh food for three months because there's a war on. Right. But um, if it was like, I stubbed my toe, oh, well, you know, that's the war. Mm-hmm. It's C-E-S-L-E-G-U-E-R-R-E. C apostrophe E-S-T. Uh-huh. L-A-G-U-E-R-R-E. Okay. Silly Gear. Silly Gear. It was almost the title of the story there, right? So. Oh. What was was the actual title? Copophiliac? No. <laughs> you missed a trick there. Mm, I did, didn't a trick, I? Trick, even. <laughs> I very rarely miss a trick. Um, Are we recording? For we're recording. Uh, and we're in airplane mode, so we're good. Nice. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, after you. Oh. Uh, hello. Uh, I, no, hold on. <clears throat> Uh, welcome to Let's Watch Cop Rock. Yeah. I'm Yay. Officer Orifice. Episode 7. Episode 7. Well, it's it's, let's, it's Cop Rock Episode 7, not Episode 7 of Officer Orifice. That's true. <laughs> not, not Episode 7 of Officer Orifice. No, no. It's, this isn't all about my life. This isn't Jane Eyre. <laughs> although, you know, reader, I fucked him. Uh, our listener, I fucked him in the previous episode might have made you think that, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's a co- collaborative effort. Well, I say effort. Taylor <laughs> Gare. Anyway, I'm Morifice. I'm Detective Duda. And I'm Sergeant Snell. There we go. And uh, as Snell says, this is episode seven. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in on that. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, we've just watched an episode of, uh, of Cop Rock. Any kind of violence, whether it be physical, emotional, or social, uh, uh, right now, is, uh, it pales into insignificance compared to the uh, trauma of uh, watching an episode of Cop Rock. That was not a great episode. <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I kind of, I didn't hate it. Really? Yeah. I'm not quite sure why. I think maybe because I felt myself lulled by it. <laughs> Did you nap? I didn't nap, but I could have napped. Okay. I haven't been sleeping very well lately, as you know. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe once you've gone home tonight, I might slip that in and be lulled. 
to sleep. <laughs> Slip that in. Uh, so, <laughs> speaking of, I'm going to note that in the opening briefing, my favorite <laughs> phrase obviously is male cock. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I see you vigorously writing notes. <laughs> like I'm not even. I'm. I'm gonna let him take care of this. Notes. Yeah. We should um, say yeah because this is an episode that opens with a uh, a police briefing mm-hmm. with like fucking like 50 police officers who we've never seen before yeah, none of them never that, seen any of them and sort of like and then and and uh and it's uh it's a song called uh well we it appears to be called let's be careful out there right which i think is probably one of the most viewed youtube videos <laughs> for cop rock really yes uh i mean i'm, I'm i think it's probably had at least 12 views <laughs> only six of which are by me uh, but it, it would serve as a bit of an, an official cop rock theme yeah I absolutely because shock horror probe it is actually about police work yeah and we don't often get songs about police work mm-hmm. no that's that's like as we've noted in recent episodes like over and over and over again they give us songs that are not about cops yes because the cop storylines are really not suited to music. Yes. Um, or they're just terrible. Yes. So, uh, I, for me, the thing that was that I most stood out about this song is how incredibly surreal its presentation was because this guy is giving this pretty energetic performance complete with, like, electric organ behind his little podium and stuff. And all the other cops are just, like, sitting there staring at him. Like, normally in the songs, other people are, like, reacting. Right. They're, like, into it. Yeah, you know, you did your little bobble there, and they're, like... Yeah. You know? And here, literally, like, when he's talking about two guys robbed a grocery... robbed a, a gas station, and they shot a dude... One of the cops, like, they focus in on him, like, falling asleep in that <laughs> description... And every other time they show a cop, the cop is just staring blankly, just like, duh, <laughs> while the song is happening. And in, in many ways, I feel like that kind of approximates the experience of watching cop rock. Yes. In that, <laughs> in that there's the song happening, and a lot of times I find myself going, huh? Uh. uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, my thoughts were kind of thinking about how they're might not be a bad way for really shitty news to be distributed in those kind of meetings where they're like, oh, well, so-and-so died, da-da-da-da-da. And then when I saw their reactions, I was like, yeah, I don't think that would be invigorating, you know, but I just thought it would be kind of, you know, interesting to have, like, real-life kind of, you know, patrol breakdowns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, spice it up a little bit, make it a little less heavy, you know, like, oh, somebody got murdered at the gas station! Oh, you know. <laughs> Like all the cop lingo and shit, so... Yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting for the um, the kind of uh, uh, services list from, uh, like, the Crack Whore song. Uh-huh. I still want a Crack Whore song where she lists all the things that she does for, and, how, and for how much and for it all to rhyme. <laughs> Uh, I know. Well, we're up to episode seven, and spoilers, it doesn't happen in this episode. So, oh, so sad. And she's not in this episode either. Yeah, I got but that written down. She is credited. 
Okay, I won't steal that from you. No, no, well, that's all I've got written down. I've, I've got, I've got, um, and excuse me, but where is Crystal Ashtray and her crack whore mother? Yeah. <laughs> no Crystal Ashtray's mother in sight. Mm. No Cristobal. No Cristobal. <laughs> oh, wait, is that Crystal Ashtray's mother or is that just another name for Crystal Ashtray? No, it's just Crystal Ashtray. But, Crystal Ashtray yeah. is one of her aliases. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. She may only be like three months but she's already got like a, a crack whore name. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, that she'll grow into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's just kind of like that. You know, it's like a yeah. It's her chosen profession, isn't it? <laughs> right. Maybe she can also you know do some tarot and be a seer too. Crystal That would be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Crystal. Totally. Crystal ball. Mm-hmm. Crystal ball doing crystal ball doing the crystal ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of my favorite things about this though was that it's actually a legitimately favorite thing is that at the end, they feature this guy whose name I'm not going to remember right now, but who played a lieutenant on uh, Hill Street Blues and whose signature was tapping out his pipe and he smoked a pipe in the station house. Uh So they did all these things. He had him in costume as that character for this. And that show, Hill Street Blues, was executive produced by Stephen Bochco, who also produced Cop Rock. And I feel like in some ways this is him saying, okay... Remember when I made good cop shows? <laughs> I promise I make really great cop shows. Just give this a chance. Uh, okay. So that was actually him? No, it wasn't Stephen Bochco, but it was the actor who played Yeah, yeah. There was an actor from Hill Street Blues gotcha. who was not in this show otherwise. Right. But that was actually the actor? It was actually that actor uh, okay. in costume as that character doing things that are that character's signature things. Because right. we were kind of like, who's this dude? Yeah. You know? like, yeah. We're like, there's a pipe. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just a friendly reminder that you could still smoke in the 90s and all kinds of places. Oh my God, yeah. 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 I At the time, uh, like very shortly after this, I was a freshman in college. And I could smoke in the exams in the math department. Holy if crap. the professor said we could smoke in class during exams, we could smoke. And the building didn't have air conditioning, and but it had these huge windows. And so we could open all these huge windows, and everybody would sit there and chain smoke through the math exams. And I remember a picture from the school yearbook one year of one of the classrooms in that department building at, like at, right after a final exam had been taken and the floor because there were no ashtrays the floor which was just this old tile <laughs> floor was like covered in butts just cigarette butts everywhere and nobody thought anything of it like nobody thought yeah. twice that's crazy yeah wow Smoking but the janitors were really happy when the cessation laws um, came in sure they were yeah because talk about filthy yeah mm-hmm. I used to work um, in a shop and I would do the paperwork on a Monday morning, and you'd have to do the paperwork. But this is like pre-computers, so it was all done on, you know, on the, uh, uh, pads. You literally know. paper. Yeah, on paper, <laughs> and you uh, literally paperwork, and you do it all, and then you would send up all the invoices and all, all you know, all the credit notes and all these different bits of uh, paperwork in a box to head office. And um, and I used to smoke like you know like like a chimney while I was doing it. And looking back now, I'm kind of thinking every time that box you know <laughs> our paperwork box would arrive at head office, they would probably just 
crack it open it's just this awful nicotine smell which is that leap out and they, they would get, they would immediately know like the women in, in the finance office and I'm not being sexist because I know that the women the women in the finance office would just crack the box open and go like oh Jesus Christ I know which shop that is and they would just like <laughs> leave it you know they don't particularly want to catch lung cancer from doing the paperwork from that from that shop we'll leave it to the end of the week let it air out exactly <laughs> yeah but um, maybe they were all smoking too, and so they were just like, "Oh yes, more." Yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah. Oh, gotta huff that box. Lick that box. Oh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh. Uh, yes, but uh, like you say in that in that song, there's a very unfortunate use of the phrase "male cock." <laughs> uh, when the, I think it's obviously short for Caucasian. But the fact that it's sung, <laughs> he, yeah. has to, he has to sing it male cock. I mean, what are you going to get to rhyme with Caucasian? Exactly. And, but it's amazing because he's actually referring uh, when uh, that male cock is a flasher with tattoos yes. in an unfortunate place. Yeah, I know. I'm like, no, tell us more about what these tattoos are. Ah, you, know? you can't just say, arrest everybody in LA who's naked and has a tattoo. That's ridiculous. Exactly. You gotta say, arrest the naked guy with this tattoo on a part of his body that we can't say on television. Exactly. I'm guessing penis. I'm guessing, I don't know. Yeah. I've seen penis tattoos. Ooh, Ken could not know. Mm. Like, actually, kind of probably closer to carving. <laughs> yeah. Not in, well, I've seen photos of somebody that is in a group that I'm in that, yeah, I can show you pictures later. Is it like cool. the male <laughs> cock group? <laughs> <laughs> he was a cock male. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a long word. <laughs> okay. Maybe not show us those pictures later. Yeah, no, I'm good with time. I'm cool. <laughs> but yeah, I did love the bit where the uh, uh, that sergeant, I'm guessing he's a sergeant. We don't know. We've never seen him before. I'm guessing we'll, we'll, we'll never, never see him see again. again. Uh, when his podium swings around to reveal uh, like an organ and then he plays it in a funky way mm-hmm. uh, as part of this song. I loved that. I thought was that was pretty awesome. Jazzy tune. I feel like it didn't elicit the response that he was hoping, like where people would actually pay yes. any fucking attention to him. But yeah. I, w- I-, I thought it was a jazzy tune. You know? I enjoyed yeah. it. No, I liked it, actually. It was yeah. not a bad song mm-hmm. at all. And I was trying to read all the uh, words on the chalkboard behind <laughs> yeah. him, and it was mm-hmm. like, you know, alternate usage for blah, blah, blah. But I, I couldn't tell if they were two columns that were related to each other or if like if, if there was I know um, I wrote it was like aw shucks or something and then one of them was G-O-L goal and I looked it up and it's like giggle out loud I'm like I'm pretty sure they didn't have you know <laughs> oh, internet <right>. slash <laughs> I guess just acronyms for yeah things because I took I, I always have to like google them because I'm not I'm yeah like, I'm like oh I know ROTFL and all that shit but yeah. like, sometimes I'm like what it, what does this mean and then I look yay urban dictionary but it didn't bring me up like any sort of <laughs> usage in the 90s but I swear I thought it was GOL oh wow so I'll have to all go right. back and review that list and see hmm. what it was well, Coprock yeah. is cutting edge in many ways yeah it is so, if it were GAL, then it could be guardian ad litem, which it would be possible that cops would be involved in meetings for that. That's 
I'll spare you. It's, yeah. it's a program whereby, like, interested people from the public help make sure that kids in messed up situations don't also get messed up. Oh. Uh, so, but it, uh, I, I think you. I think that song's definitely on the soundtrack, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. That's right on the soundtrack. Like, yeah. Right on to it. Like, yeah. before the song was over, I was like, oh, that's the soundtrack song yeah. for this yeah. one, probably. Okay. I agree. I actually feel like, musically, this was almost a really strong episode. Yes. Yes. Well, the final song of the episode, not to flick out too much. Oh, but it was pretty good. Yeah. And it made sense. Yeah. It, like, actually held together as a song. Yes. Mm-hmm. And where it was, and why it was being sung. And the crowd's reactions. Mm-hmm. Crowd's reactions. Yes. Like, they were a very enthusiastic group overall. Yeah. They were. Because at first I'm like, what the hell? Uh, we'll talk about yeah. yeah, we'll okay. get there. <laughs> so, uh, so, what was next? The Chunky Poo Face intro. Oh, the yep, Chunky yeah. Poo Face intro. intro. Yeah. Where, seven episodes in, you didn't recognize the captain, <laughs> yeah. even though he's like part of a major storyline. And you were like, oh, we only see that guy. Who is he? And <laughs> but I feel like we don't talk about the captain, even though I feel like he's a really good leader, and I feel like he's a really yeah. good police yeah. officer, and he's got good morals, and he, you know... He's I got just, a very good uh, upper lip. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But I feel like we don't talk about him. No. <laughs> Isn't he the guy that you said needed a mustache? Yes. yes that was yeah. when we, okay. he was on right. the, the different version. Yeah. Yes. The size thing made his nostrils to his upper oh, lip look like yeah. it was a yeah. mile long. Yeah. yeah. The, He's like, the, he needs a mustache. The screen was all stretched. Yeah, um, back in the day when we were watching everything with the wrong aspect ratio. Yeah. And LaRusso had the, like the T-Rex arms. Which he does still have, technically. <laughs> mm, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not convinced. But yeah, he had the T-Rex arms and the, uh, what was he called? The, the captain? The captain. Yeah, the captain, had captain the, or something. Yeah, like a, a mile in between his top lip <laughs> and his nostrils. And you just think like... Oh. Shove a mustache on that, for Christ's sakes. Every time they did a close-up, you'd see a cop car drive through. It would fit perfectly. Just like Crystal Ashtray's mom. Yeah. They should just yeah. stop and burn some rubber and leave a little black trail. <laughs> that would be awesome. But that would be amazing. In my defense... Uh, him in that opening in the opening titles he does have his hair slicked back he does his hair is slightly different which is why I didn't recognise him yes but I feel like we don't talk about him because he is a great character yeah Yeah. if the show were about him Mm mhm it would not fix a lot of the problems I have as a viewer with cop, cop, with cop shows because I have issues with authority and I have issues with the the way in much the same way that it's impossible to make a war movie that does not glorify war it is impossible to make a cop show that does not glorify cops, and mm-hmm. I have some problems there, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, it would be especially difficult for me if the show was about him, because he is so, like, the paladin, you know? Mm-hmm. He is so, like, the, the, the good knight. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, he does have a really insipid wife in a floral, floral dress at home. <laughs> Her curtain is yeah, Exactly, yeah. Oh, God, that thing. Yeah. So we couldn't watch a, a show just about him, because then she'd have to be in it. And it would be frigging Millennium all over again, yeah. wouldn't it? Right. Oh, for real. It'd be like, bitch, yeah. go back to work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're, get your damn job. You're interesting like, at work. Yeah. yeah. You're boring as hell at home with that daughter who eats snot all day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, I wish we had time to do a podcast about Millennium because <laughs> there would be so much to talk about, so much to talk about. Uh, but I think we should schedule like a week long vacation, twenty eighteen, so we can. Oh yeah, that. totally. We should mainline the first season of Millennium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just have, just... Like a sleepover and just like watch them all. Because I guess I mean it's not that. Is it's four seasons. Four? Three. Okay. Three. Three okay. seasons, but every season's like 22 episodes. Yeah. We could do it. Uh-huh. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> the best opening credits ever. I know. Who cares? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Worry. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I feel... I know this has nothing to do with Cop Rock, and I'm really sorry. Whatever. Go watch Millennium. It's worth your time. Uh-huh. Uh, I feel like that, and we might have even talked about this before, that, that the opening credits to Millennium are like a precursor to modern, like, mood adjusting medication ads. Where, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all before, though. Yes. It's like before, it's wait, worry, who cares? Yeah. And let's walk around on the roof, let's get stalked and not really do anything about it. And then, and then you'd have the after, where like they take the medication, it helps with their brain chemistry, mm-hmm. and then ta da! They've stopped waiting. They care now. Yes. Well, we don't know. Maybe maybe that's season two opening titles. Maybe. Or season three. <laughs> but if we were to do that, you just know that the podcast would be called Wait, Worry, Who Cares? <laughs> 2018. Write that down. Yep. Okay. Now that we've said it, nobody can steal it. So, uh, next thing I've got is the cafeteria song. Yeah, within the break room where yeah. like, there's angel light shining on pots <laughs> and other people are singing while he looks at the newspaper. So that's Donnie, isn't it? Yeah. Donnie, he's the guy who yeah. dubbed LaRusso in. Yeah. Right? And he's there and then there's again it's a cafeteria full of cops who we've never seen before. Never. Oh, the one that looked like Orbison kind of stole my heart. <laughs> With like the dark, shiny, reflective like yeah. glasses. I was like, oh, that's a look. It was a look. It was. I'm going to emphasize the past tense thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I kind of love Orbison. But he was kind of like a creepy, like, oh, you know, totally. like the... the, the the changing glasses yeah kind of and those guys were actually pretty good singers you know that's actually a good song too I grow and another song from Outsiders What Kind of World is actually a good song yeah it's a they perform it with spirit they're into it they mean it they're musically gifted yeah but I had kind of a hard time figuring out what they were singing about it was really hard for me to determine until I realized that they were saying what kind of world like could my partner do this to me when mm-hmm. I'm like, but he was basically threatened within the force to rat mm-hmm. out on LaRusso or he was going to be yeah. canned yeah. and he did what was right, which was say that LaRusso basically fucking shot a cop killer. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. then they were all like, you know, huffy puffy against him. But I was like, wouldn't they have done the same thing? Yeah. If you know, I well, that's the thing in it. They were all bitches. Yeah. basically because they were being horrible to Donnie even yeah. though he did the right thing right. but they were kind of yeah. saying well no we're cops we have to stick together right mm-hmm. and I think well yeah but yeah but that's the problem with cops yeah. is that like they all stick together yeah so yeah. corrupt it becomes corrupt and becomes exactly. corrupt and yeah. then we've got you know people dying every day that yeah are murdered by cops mm-hmm. so I didn't I didn't mind that song so much because it, it you know I knew where where they fell there you know we weren't meant to sympathize with those bitches 
we were meant to sympathise with Donnie and um, well I won't say now but later on in the episode I do have a bit of a problem <laughs> with where the where the programme is trying to situate the viewer in relation to like police violence yeah um, anyway uh, that's, we'll that's a bit later yeah that's a bit later on um, and then I have more Ray yeah I actually also did write down like as you said that I was writing down more Ray <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as, as a little reminder yeah Ray is the mayor's gay aide yes and he was made uh, first time we saw him he was pretty gay pretty, but next time we saw gay. him it he mentioned Charles moving to Chicago. Yeah. Which is why I thought he was putting in his resignation. I was like, right. I was like, he doesn't look very happy about like, you know, leaving to go be with Charles, but yes. And then to this time he kind of, he was well gay and kind of said that he was resigning because somebody was going to write an article about him. Uh, or somebody was writing an article about gays in prominent political positions Mm -hmm. and it was and I thought it was pretty great the way that the mayor referred to it as outing Mm -hmm. and I made note I was kind of thinking like um how last week we had um the stalking Mm storyline which would have been very much of its time Mm -hmm. and now we have like a storyline about outing Mm -hmm. which again I think was very much of its time yeah Mm -hmm. this is the time when there was our week magazine being published Explicitly to out famous people. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. And there's Out Magazine, which wasn't created to out people, but did occasionally run stories that were outing stories. Right. Okay. But mm-hmm. I, th- I thought it was interesting that they, like, notified him and said, hey, we're going to do this article. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't go, hey, are you okay? Because some people would have been fine with it. Yeah. I mean, I just think that it was. Go ahead. I, I just thought that it was interesting that they notified him because he's usually with media they're just like we're going to write this about you we're not going to tell you we don't give a shit what you think yeah mm-hmm. but, well and with outing as a political tactic the point was not the point was to not give the person a choice yeah but outing as a political tactic was almost always re- reserved for people who were functionally opponents of the gay community mm. and and who could it, it could be argued had betrayed you know their mm-hmm. own people mm-hmm. as a gay person and as an activist i have no problem with outing when it's used on people who have like sought to take advantage of their own privilege or to harm us or something like that if like a conservative gay lawmaker somewhere votes for a bathroom bill that's mm-hmm. transphobic and then turns out to be boning yeah. The members of the same sex it's in a hotel room somewhere in Omaha, yeah. then I am just fine with them getting dragged out of the closet yeah. and I do not care how much it harms them. Yeah. Because I am not a nice person when it comes to being a political activist. Right. Yeah. But I think the, the issue with outing became, I mean, th- this was a thing in the UK, was that people were being outed simply as a form of you know selling newspapers or magazines mm-hmm. they weren't they weren't necessarily home you know homophobic in their outlook they just decided that they didn't want everybody knowing that they were gay and back in you know 1990 that was totally understandable mm-hmm. and there were certain um magazines and newspapers who would out a famous person just for the hell of it mm-hmm. um i'm pretty uh, I, I can't be 100 percent sure but 
I seem to remember, I think it was the Sun newspaper having something like, uh, it was a column like um, Puff of the Fortnight or something like that, where they would out a famous person, uh, which is uh, obviously a hateful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, for no other reason than to titillate the reader and sell more newspapers. Well, do they mm-hmm. still have the boobs on page three or whatever? I think they finally got rid of pa- the page three girls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in my understanding, and this is not really related to outing, my understanding is they're basically the National Enquirer of the UK. Is pretty that much. pretty yeah. much? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a horrible rag. Um, and not at every tube station. <laughs> yeah, not quite as hateful as the Daily Mail, Oof. which uh, sadly uh, is now the most read newspaper in the world because wow. of the Daily Mail online, believe it or not. And they're just pretty racist, homophobic, xenophobic, misogynistic, you know. And you could lie in the bottom of a birdcage with a webpage. I know, right? <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, I, so, like, I don't know. <clears throat> to overshare, um, I had not come out of the closet in 1992 when I started college. Mm. I came out to people I knew in college, but I had not come out of the closet to, like, my family yet. Um, my sisters knew, but, like, the rest of my family did not know. Mm-hmm. And I had a cousin who was significantly older and who was kind of a train wreck. And uh, had been judged pretty harshly by the homophobes in our family when he came out many years before that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he found out that I was gay, he outed me to the rest of my family to try to distract from how horrible his life was. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? I survived. And so... <laughs> Like this is it's this for me outing is just a topic that doesn't have an easy answer, and so I'm not saying that it's like always right, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that it's always wrong either. Yeah, um, and I think it's a judgment call of the people who do it, and that's unfortunate because some of them do it for really terrible reasons, like the son, mm-hmm. um, or like my cousin. But also, in the end, I think there's an argument to be made that outing was good for the community overall because so many people did come out who otherwise might have not. Yeah. Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. I mean, like... He's been with his partner for 40 years, and I'm like, honey, we've known you've been gay since, like, 73. Right, come on. Yeah. You know? And, like, I get that there are generational differences, and I get that, like, there are just some people who mm-hmm. were never going to feel comfortable coming out. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that by raising the question in the straight world of there are these people whom you hold up as idols mm-hmm. who may or may not be gay, and here's our evidence. Here are these people who might or might not be in the queer community in some way or another. Um, I think it forced... as There are undoubtedly instances where it was terrible for the queer people who were outed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were undoubtedly instances where the queer people who were outed were so rich that it was never going to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like in terms of making the straight community confront the possibility that there were queer people throughout society, mm-hmm. I feel like it was a powerful and positive thing. Mm-hmm. It moved us from the 70s to 2017. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yeah. Well, so I, I, I don't have a problem with outing people who are you know, 
by their actions are actually harming right. the uh, the gay or you know the LGBTQ community. Uh, I do have a problem with people who are outing other people simply because they're gay and they're they're going to use them to promote their own agenda. You know, absolutely, because it's not just the people that you're outing that you're affecting. You're also going to affect their relationships all around with their friends, with their families, with their communities, mm-hmm. and then their, their, uh, their relatives' uh, um, uh, uh, relationships with their communities and, and, and so forth. And you mm-hmm. just kind of think, like, nobody has that right, you know, to, to enforce that kind of heartache and mm-hmm. shit on, 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 on someone. But, yeah, absolutely, some poxy politician is voting against an equality bill then they deserve whatever they have coming yeah i mean like there were people back then who i would occasionally read or hear say we should just out everybody who's closeted no matter who they are no matter whether or not they're important or whether they have any influence or whether they've ever been against us or anything like that Mm -hmm. i never agreed with that because just random people going about their lives get to make their own choices the end right and they get to say who they share that exactly. detail with yeah. yeah so anyway this whole storyline with the, the reporter was actually really difficult for me because I loved the way that the mayor said you're my friend we're going to face this yeah. together don't worry we're going to weather it no yes. problem and I thought that meant that we would get to see her sort of like bravely defend him in public but in typical yeah. cop rock style that's not the way the storyline went. Nope. But before we get to the, uh, uh, the culmination of that storyline, um, I, I noticed that 15 minutes in, we had the second briefing briefing scene of the episode. And I got the sense that they were trying, by this point, you know, they're trying to make the show fit into like um, like fit more into the mold of a, a of a far more typical cop show like Hill Street Blues mm-hmm. or something like that where you actually do see them you do see the police do police work at the station so they're being briefed on how to do this or that and I was kind of thinking like oh yeah because when you think about something like Hill Street Blues or Cagney and Lacey even yeah. you know you do see them at the station a hell of a lot right you know? doing stuff at yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. yeah. De- you know having kind of uh, you know doing interviews or filling in paperwork you know whatever or maybe just having a chat about cystitis in that in that bathroom <laughs> <laughs> that was a hell of a state you know and you just kind of think like oh come on nine years not a, not a lick of paint on that on that bathroom <laughs> I mean it, and, uh, Harvey right he was like a builder wasn't he he was like a builder decorator come on Mary Beth just get him in on a Saturday or a Sunday but no just Harvey. me then Harvey right. Mary Beth's husband Mary Beth yeah he was like a he was like um like a builder or a decorator type thing. Are you talking about Hell Street Blues? No, Cagney and Lacey. Oh. oh. Yeah. 
every time you refer to something, I'm just going to do like the Tasmanian devil. Because I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> the wild woman from apparently Spain or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, when you were talking about, I was like, there's no character in Cop Rock named Mary Beth. I'm thinking of the prostate <laughs> like, dude with like the bathroom, yeah, exactly. like the, 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 you know, oh, the tripod, yeah. you know, finger. Yeah. Mm, sorry, I was and, then I, and then I was like, I'm like, wait a minute, that that's not, is that what that, and I'm like, ah. Bathroom paint nine years. I, I have no idea who Harold is. I'm so lost. <laughs> Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. Cagney oh, yeah. Lacey. Okay. Oh, right. Homework. <laughs> Homework. Cagney and Lacey. Should I write this down yeah. on my list? I should just. Don't bother with the movie or the first season because Sharon Gless wasn't in either of those. I feel like yeah, I've she's... Go ahead. I feel like I've seen maybe a episode. Like. Yeah. I watched it every now and then when I was a kid. My mother m- kind of pretty much made me watch it. Seriously, that woman made me watch Dynasty on Friday nights and Cagney and Lacey on Saturday nights. I mean, she, she was just like stuffing the gay into me. I was going to say, she really wanted a gay kid. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that uh, I think it's, uh, it might be Mary Beth who's wearing uh, culottes in the opening titles. And if that isn't going to make a young kid, young Welsh boy, gay and I don't know what is <laughs> she's like if he watches enough Cagney and Lacey maybe one day he'll go on a cruise with me exactly <laughs> yes yeah yeah well done ma'am <laughs> good job exactly and you know I actually wrote down about the whole like where the scene where Ray is like oh well I'm being profiled by this magazine and I'm going to be a like, horrible liability uh-huh. um, I wrote down it took until episode 7 for them to go out of their way to court us the gays I know no wonder they got cancelled. <laughs> it's a musical. <laughs> oh, God. There, you know, there was the pink dollar even back then, right? Yeah. And like you say, it was a bloody musical, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry. I, I actually put, during that scene, let's hope this storyline doesn't collapse like that one. I mean, the, the stalking storyline from last week. Hmm. And even as I wrote that, I kind of thought, it will. It will. And mm-hmm. it did. Um, what did you guys make of the uh, the joke about uh, the naked man jogging <laughs> with a rubber on? I, I actually have a note in here from later in the episode. I do not get, I mean, I get, but I don't get any of the jokes. Any of the episode. jokes, yeah. I was more watching father husband come through and like picking up on him going, Oh, she's cheating. She's cheating. Cause it was like rife with like, Oh, this uh, cop sleeping yeah. with, right. you know, five wives or she's sleeping with five cops, whatever. I was more watching him cause I couldn't really, I'm yeah. Only when it's raining. I, I missed the first part of the joke. Right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the joke was that there was a, uh, there was a guy having sex with a married woman and then her husband comes home so he throws himself out of the window gotcha. um, and he's completely stat bollock naked uh, and he's there in the pouring rain and a bunch of joggers go by and so he joins in with them and one of the joggers looks down at this naked man's crotch oh. area and <laughs> says do you always wear a rubber when you run and the man says, only when it's raining. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I think at least it promotes safe sex in the 90s. You know, it was kind of... That's even mm-hmm. something that I think is... Yeah. True. on television, not always yeah. obvious, you know. Yeah. That. I feel like a lot of the jokes in this episode have, like, been through Google Translate a few times. <laughs> you know, it's that thing where, like, you take something in a language and you translate it into another <laughs> language in Google Translate, and then you translate it back into the original language. I'm pretty sure... And the, it gets weird. The jogging in a rubber joke is hilarious in Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> in the original Latvian. Yeah. <laughs> it's hysterical. Um, yes. And then... Uh, did anybody else have anything about the uh, the, the rubber joke? No. Not that scene. What, what did you have I next? I think it was the next scene, maybe. I'm loving the Western wear that has shown up a lot of times in this episode. I think I have a couple of There minutes. was... Uh, Donnie had his like little Western Navajo kind of mm-hmm. flannel shirt thing. And then Vicky had her kind of bolo-y necklace mm-hmm. and her little suede loop tied vest thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure about that blouse. And then, well, no, not the stripe, but, well, the blouse, but I like the vest with like the... Oh, the vest, yeah. It had kind of almost like the, it looked like a crafting seam on the outside. And then there was something else with the Western... Oh, I just made another note. What's with all the Western wear? But I didn't make a note what the third one was. But oh, it's, pr- it's probably Ray. Oh, yeah, yeah Ray. Yeah, Ray. Ray yeah. Outfit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, dinky That's... little cowboy outfit. Yeah. With his little. It's adorable. Yeah. With his little spurs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that actor has never aged. He looks exactly the same now. I think it's it's really surprising to look these actors up on IMDb because they have had actually fairly extensive careers. And, in fact, Bochco for another show in 92, hired LaRusso right. uh, to play one of the leads. And, like, a lot of these actors ended up working together again over uh-huh. time, or they ended up working for Stephen Bochco again over time. Um, so, for all I know, Ray has not ever aged. Because, in fact, like, the guy who plays uh, daughter-wife's partner... He <laughs> Andy. Looks, Andy. He looks basically the same today. Really? Yeah. The guy who played the captain, he looks basically the same today. Hmm. Has he managed to put a mustache in that area yet? Yeah. Uh-uh. yeah. He's still working on it. <laughs> 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 He's still, still trying to find a cop car that'll ride uh-huh. through. <laughs> Burn some rubber. <laughs> Even in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a shame, isn't it? Um, I had um, Knott's Landing's Terry Austin's character, Trish... Uh, has swung back from being sex positive to being a sex maniac again. Yeah. Because there's that scene where she kind of says to LaRusso, uh, yeah. I find you hot because... But basically, she says, because you killed a man and you didn't need to. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, all right then. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a bit of a nutter. I actually really like the scene where he describes what happened. Yes. Because he doesn't make any bones about what he did. Mm-hmm. And his totally blank description of it mm-hmm. is, in a, a lot of ways, really fascinatingly horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there are just ways in which that is an actually really effective scene. Yeah. For reason. Um, but, uh, 
Thank God, because I was about to say, I think your home is being invaded. <laughs> um, but, uh... <laughs> raccoon paw. <laughs> raccoon paw is going to come out of your fireplace, and then it's going to be all over. Um, and then the apocalypse happens. But, like, as I wrote down, okay, at least the show is aware enough of LaRusso's villainy to have LA's most expensive and thus sleaziest lawyers judge him. Yes. Yeah. But, um... That was yeah. That, I just I was just disappointed because I I was loving Trish. I think we were all loving Trish. Loving Trish. Yeah. And now it turns out that she's just you know some. She likes murder. She's a murderer lover. I yeah. Know. I was gonna say she's just some kinky sex fiend, but that's fine. Yeah, but the fair. fact that she gets turned on by someone who does like a, a a murder, just because they've done a murder, that's kind of less positive. Here I'm trying to like go through stories. <laughs> I think we've had this conversation before. We were like, "Have we ever had sex with murderers?" I think we've had this conversation where we had to think about it. Was it? What is it, you guys? Uh, we had this my conversation before. I feel like we've had all kinds of random. I feel like random... we have had that conversation before. And I really and I feel had like to I was think firmly about in it. the maybe category. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm sure. Statistically, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. statistically speaking, I've got to have one. So, somewhere but, but I'm yeah. thinking, you know. Well, I mean, you don't know the full history of everybody you sleep with, do you? Yeah. No. I mean, you know, you don't know much about some of them. Mm. Some of them I know as little as possible. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 20 minutes is good to go. <laughs> how many murderers are there per capita, do you reckon? That's a question we should have answered for the next episode. That's research I'll do. Okay. And I think there's also some... St- there's a statistic as far, as far as... I can't even fucking talk tonight. Um, like how many times you walk past... A mass murderer in your life, like really? like like everybody walks past a mass murderer at least once in their life, and maybe not everybody, but there's a number yeah. that's out there where you are likely out of a certain number of people to have walked past a mass uh-huh. murderer hmm. in your life. Uh, if you're a murderer and you're listening to this podcast, right? Please write in uh, because I'm sure that you're all in some kind of club. Where you get like uh, jail, yeah, oh, yeah. That's a, prison, yeah. jail. Sorry, Sorry that's, yeah, that's a kind of club. Yeah, that's a club. And then, so you know, you probably Fitness got club. some idea of like membership numbers. Write in and let us know how yeah. many people currently in the uh, the murdering people club. I might be related to potential murderers. Oh, I'm sure so, I am, but yeah. I mean, not like. I'm not like in a like I know who it is way, but actually no, I do know who he was. I'm at least cousins to an attempted murderer, but you know. I, I know I have a very high probability of one relative having murdered somebody in the last fifty years, sixty years of his life. Wow. Mm. Well, my grandfather was in the war. Well, they tell us it's not murder. Mm. It's I think the murder. dead people might have an issue with that, mm. but you know, I'm not That's knocking him. It's a whole other podcast. That is a whole other podcast. But, you know, at least he's one of the good guys. Not offending any Germans who might be listening. Wait. You know? Worry. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Another podcast. That's another podcast, (laughs) yeah. We should keep all the murder talk for that podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. For the Millennium Podcast. Definitely. 
for our Y2K podcast. Um, <laughs> that's what I've already named it in my head. Just, <laughs> the Y2K podcast. It's, it's Y2K, colon, wait. Wait, worry. worry. Who cares? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, go ahead. So now do we get to the burning cross on the front lawn? Oh, yeah, like way ahead. Oh, am I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because there's the box of chocolates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vicky oh, was hot for partner. I was like, father, husband, dick move, calling out that Vicky was hot for partner. Well, like, partner brings her a box of chocolates when she comes mm-hmm. back. And what I wrote down was a box of chocolates. Good Lord, maybe he can ask her dad, i.e. her husband, for permission to sit on the porch swing with her after they attend the promenade. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, that's a bit harsh. I'm just like, oh, God, he's so corny. I, just, I hate that storyline. Mm. Even though he admits later on that the storyline is actually not true. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's like, there's nothing between us. I didn't. Well, I mean, I think it's understandable if somebody you work with every day gets shot and then you get them chocolates. That's I think so. understandable. Yeah. But I definitely think he does have a thing for Vicky. Oh, well, yeah. He does, but I think Vicky's does I think Vicky's clueless. Yeah. And father husband sees probably more his interaction and is thinking, why is she with this mm-hmm. yeah. overripe middle aged man that you Did know. you say overripe middle aged man? Uh, overweight. Oh, overweight, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's how he described himself. Yeah. That's it, yeah. like, I'm an overweight, overripe, middle-aged man. That makes more sense. Yeah. I don't know if we were back to the fact that, you know, like, with your feral nature, <laughs> and the fact because he's, like, he's quite hairless, that you, that's how you see him. <laughs> uh, he's overripe. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. With all the hair gone, oh, he's overripe. Not touching that munter. But, um... like, like, in, like the first or second episode, though, he's all Andy, whatever his name is. That's yeah, Andy. Andy, yeah. Andy is all like, you know, there's something between us. You feel it too. You can't yeah. see somebody all day. And she's like, no, get away, blah. The Camaro yeah. song. Right, yeah. the Camaro yeah. song. And I, I feel like that's, you know, I'm gonna, I feel like in a lot of ways this could be my favorite storyline if they did a better job of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The storyline of two people who have to be professional with one another, who have to be able to trust each other, and one of them has feelings and knows the other does not, and the other one knows that they have feelings and they themselves do not, and they've talked about it, and they still have to be able to stay at least professional, if not even friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And clearly, they have managed to stay friends mm-hmm. throughout this what could be a really difficult situation and maybe the problem is that there just isn't enough conflict between them because they're adults but like that's a really interesting situation to portray and they just completely bungle it by throwing in father husband and all of his ridiculous antics <laughs> like yeah we get it you're on a diet you're jealous of a box of chocolates like come on yeah <laughs> I'm not being funny, but I didn't really care for that scene because that box of chocolates had six chocolates in it. I mean, (laughs) does he like her or not? I mean, giving somebody six poultry chocolates, you know, you might as well just give them a fucking turd in a box. (laughs) It it was the 90s, so they were all anti-fat, and it was either that or a box of snack wells. (laughs) I mean, a whole box of snack wells. Six really delicious chocolates or 24, I don't know, 12 
dry, crumbly-ass cookies that I used to <laughs> shove by the mouth handful in my mouth. <laughs> and like, they're low-fat. <laughs> like, God, if I could take those snack wall boxes and, you know, just wipe them from memory. But Crumbly-ass cookies. Crum- they were delicious, crumbly-ass little... Like, they had that... Yeah. Like, the chocolate would indent in it, and mm-hmm. it was... Yeah. They were... They, there was something special about them at that time. They're horrible, and I would never eat them now. You know, I actually felt a a wave of nostalgia a couple months ago when I was at a grocery store here and saw that they had store brand snack wells, and they were even that same shade of green that the snack wells box was. And I was just the box, not the cookies. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) and and I was just like, wow, store brand snack wells. God, that is a blast from the past. Mind you, if they had been there for 20 years, the cookies might be green too. <laughs> well, the cookies might be better. Mm. <laughs> I feel as though I missed out now. Snackwells, if you're listening, send us in a free box so I can yeah. try them. <laughs> I'm sure they got some along with the Twinkies from, you know, 1989. Because didn't they cancel Twinkies and then they brought them back? Well, the company went under, but then another company bought the rights. Yeah. Gotcha. Are they the same or is it weird, kind of like... I haven't eaten when a Twinkie change, in so long, yeah. I don't know. Oh. I haven't had a Twinkie so I don't think long. it's like Cream Egg Gate. No. Oh, yeah. Same With Cadbury's and yeah. craziness. Can you get a Twinkie off the nose? <laughs> 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 we just lift that little false nose and... <laughs> That's a bit of a personal question. <laughs> <laughs> can you fit a Twinkie? <laughs> in how many parts of your body can you fit a Twinkie? That's what his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, have we got anything else before the burning cross yeah oh blimey because we have the mayor scene with the reporter yeah oh mr rod bart okay i missed yeah. that yeah no but he basically it, just threatens him yeah so it's the it's the ending of the outing storyline yeah. yeah just like boom it's over yeah and it's it's really like I really wanted her to stand up for him in public. Yeah. I wanted yeah. her to have the courage of the convictions that she expressed when she spoke to Ray. Yeah. And instead, she does a much more politician move and just blackmails the reporter. Although, to be fair to Louise, uh, the mayor, he it's Ray himself who says he doesn't want the attention, right? He kind of says that he doesn't want all the attention and stuff like that. He, what he says is that he, I think so, but also yeah. he's, he tells her that he's more concerned with the effect that he would have on her as a politician. Right. So I thought she was nipping it in the bud because she just didn't want him to go through any crap. However, admittedly, the way the storyline was wrapped up was totally wrong. Mm. Because it was kind mm-hmm. of taking, it was like saying, don't out him, otherwise I'll deport your um, illegal alien boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. just kind of think like, well, that's not right, is it? Yeah. 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 It's hard to feel like she did the right thing. It's yeah. hard to feel good for her. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the character of the mayor, despite how offensive her storyline is. And, uh, and I like that performer a lot. I like yeah. the actor. And I, it really pissed me off to have that be the solution to their storyline. Right. Because yeah. I really, you know, loved the support that she showed Ray, you mm-hmm. know, and she was all like, you know, we're a team and, but I agree it should have been not yeah, handled that way. 
Yeah, so again, like the Stalker storyline, it all just collapsed, basically. Mm-hmm. I keep trying to think about that storyline in particular. How would, like, 27 years ago, me have read that scene? Mm-hmm. Would I have felt like it was a scene of somebody using the, the tools in her toolbox, i.e. dirty politician tricks, mm-hmm. to defend a queer person for whom she cared? In which case, it's not a good scene, but I would have felt slightly positive about it. Yeah. Or uh, is this a scene of of somebody quashing the voice of the queer community? Yeah. You know, and I don't know what what twenty seven years ago me. There was a, that suggestion where that uh, that you're probably better off in the closet. It really does seem to be a situation where, like, yeah, the yeah. solution is, why doesn't everybody just go back in their closets and shut up and then we can go on? Yeah. Oh, cop rock. <sighs> now we're under the burning cross. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> How long was that episode? It was a really long episode, it felt like. I know. We've all got significant hair growth. <laughs> Especially, oh, yeah. du- especially Duda. <laughs> <laughs> she had to be shaved twice during that episode. <laughs> Bring out the wax. I'm really glad it's bin day tomorrow. <laughs> so, yes. What did you guys think? of the scene where Donnie, who is the black police officer who has done the right thing in uh, dobbing LaRusso in for shooting the uh, unarmed cop killer, uh, when he comes, uh, well, him and his family come out of their house to find a flaming cross on their front lawn. That was really hard because at first I was thinking of the kids Mm -hmm. you know I was kind of like oh my god they don't need to have this image burned in their minds but then I think about all the people that had that image burned in their minds and that she was talking about like turning the freedom to lies and into fear Mm -hmm. and I and I think that she was like you know don't let this scare you Mm -hmm. you need to be aware of this it, but it was it was horrifying to me and just to even think about yeah you know that I, I, I sometimes I just can't even talk yeah <laughs> I'm just like I'm snout yeah so I have a lot of reactions mm-hmm. the song itself is not a good song from mm-hmm. a musical standpoint but it is worth noting that, A, this is two years before, well, a year and a half before Rodney King mm-hmm. happens. And racial tensions in L.A. are huge and still are and and were then as well. And the Watts riots had happened historically mm-hmm. at this point. Um, and problems of race relations within the police force are obviously a real problem, too, then and now. Um, and L.A., like we like to think of LA as being LA and it's like it's liberal, it's leftist, it's it's hippy dippy California. Except that mm-hmm. A, California is not exactly as hippy dippy as people make it out to be. 
<coughs> and B, in the 1920s and 30s, the Klan actually did run parts of L.A. Mm. Um, and there were places in Southern California in that time frame where, like, openly Klan candidates got elected to things. Mm. You know, and uh, the, the, the racial history of the government of Orange County, California, is there are multiple books written about it uh, and about that time period. And like in the 20s and 30s in L.A., the Klan would raid people's homes. They would perform home invasions on people who were immigrants, on people who were minorities, on people that they targeted. And so like all that stuff is literally like just lifted right out of L.A. history. Yeah. And it's totally valid. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to say that it is another example of cop rock backing away from the more interesting question of what happens when a cop does the right thing and it harms another cop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, by turning it into, quote unquote, turning it into a race question. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I am also open to the possibility that I'm having that reaction because I would rather not confront the very real racism uh, that happens and the ways that things like that really do happen. I grew up in a community where the Klan was active and where there were cross burnings. Right. So um, that's the kind of thing where I just want to be like, ah, oh, that doesn't, that would never happen in a place like LA. <laughs> that would never happen in a civilized place now that I've run away to a civilized place. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is that it does and it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's incredibly uncomfortable. I like that she keeps the kids outside when mm-hmm. he says, don't take the kids back inside. Um, because I think that you're right. That the point is we have to confront this. And in fact, all the other members of their community come and stand around it with them. Mm-hmm. And everybody is looking away. And I have to question all of my reactions because I'm a white person and I would very much like to look away. Mm-hmm. I think my... Um, it, uh, it's obviously a very difficult to scene to watch... Um, it would be in any show. The fact that it's plonked in the middle of, a, of an episode of Cop Rock yeah. um, it makes it even more difficult to watch. And I, and, and I say plonked because it really does feel as though it's kind of used as a, as a kind of shorthand because the storyline isn't about that particular st- the the particular storyline that that scene pe- uh, relates to isn't about race relations. It's about this cop who's you know who's turning evidence against another cop, and it just felt a bit unnecessary. And I mean, I know there is that suggestion that it's one of the cops that have been assigned to look after the family mm-hmm. that's actually done this, mm-hmm. but. I mean, that's a, it's such a potent image and it's such a, uh, like you say, there's a lot of history there and to have just used that in a fairly cavalier attitude, um, I found distasteful. I wouldn't have had a problem with that scene had it been handled better if it had been part of a, um, a, a storyline that dealt explicitly, more explicitly with race relations. The fact that it was just kind of plonked there, um, and also the fact that Donnie's wife sings a song um, there made me feel slightly uneasy. As it, I, it made me suspect that perhaps they thought the sh- the episode was short of a song. 
where can we stick a, an extra song? And it's like, well, if we have this, then, you know, because obviously these people who are making cop rock are talented in some respects. One of the ways in which they're not talented is to come up with different ways of writing songs about police work. Mm -hmm. So it often feels as though they're looking for anything else to sing about. And because, you know, because half half the songs we hear are love songs and then like you know about you know 30% of the other songs are about anything other than police work and then you get 20% of the songs that are about police work so I'm sure that in every single episode they're struggling to think of different topics that Mm -hmm. will that will provide an excuse for a song other than than police work so that coupled with the idea that they were you know that they needed a song and the fact that this storyline wasn't explicitly about race relations made me feel very uh, uncomfortable with this scene and um, I kind of thought it was it was a bit of a cheap shot there's like there's so many ways that the storyline of LaRusso shooting Tyron Weeks mm-hmm. and that partner turning him in for it could have been constructed could have been told there are so many different elements they could have focused on as sort of the drivers of the narrative Mm -hmm. if the storyline had been about the reaction that the community has to a white cop shooting a black suspect and the race relations that and the the tensions that arise from that um but it's not Mm -hmm. uh if the because like they haven't in fact, last episode, they right. went out of their way right. to tell us that's not what this is yes. about. Right. Um, if the if the controversy within the police department had been about a black cop turning in a white cop for shooting a black guy, then it would make more sense. Yeah. But it, they have explicitly made that not the storyline. Yes. That's not what this is about. And um, they none of the ways that the storyline has been presented have been explicitly about race. Mm-hmm. They've all been explicitly about loyalty between cops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, race pervades everything in, in, in so many topics that we do not think are about race. You know, mm-hmm. So many topics that we think are not about race are about race in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And so I don't at all deny the ways that like racial tensions influence the story and have plenty of there's plenty of space in this story for that to be represented. But like they haven't talked about that up to this point. Mm-hmm. And in fact went out of their way to suggest that some African American cops might have been involved in making sure that there was nobody who saw who set up the flaming cross. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like they keep it just feels weirdly out of place mm-hmm. as an element of this storyline. Yeah. But again, I'm suspicious of my own reactions because I'm a white dude. I grew up in the South in the United States. Uh, my take on race relations is not the take anybody needs. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, you know, I mean, we're all white here around the table, but um, I'm not American. I didn't grow yeah. up in that kind of environment. I grew up in a predominantly a very white um, neighborhood um, but it wasn't I wouldn't say it was a particularly racist neighborhood mm-hmm. 
you know, there was there was one black student in my school, and there were over a thousand kids at my school, and we had one black student, and he and he was in my uh, year, he was in my class, and as far as I can remember, there was never any issue, any racism directed towards him. Hmm. So you know, I again. Uh, I don't. I, you know, I don't come from a. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, we do come from similar backgrounds, but in that respect, yeah, not, 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 not so much. Yeah. But you know, I'm just saying that in the you know, just in the interest of transparency and saying, you know, I found this scene difficult simply because you know, I just, I I didn't like the way that it was used. Mm-hmm. This kind of topic was used as a kind of shorthand. Yeah, there's. Uh, I don't know. My take is this scene made me very uncomfortable, and I don't trust myself to know why it made mm-hmm. me uncomfortable mm-hmm. because of where and when I grew up. Sure. Yeah, I grew up uh, from births until eight, where my elementary school was about forty percent black. It was south of DC, so mm-hmm. there was a good portion. I think we had a you know a handful of Asian students, and then I moved to a very country rural area where we also only had one black student mm-hmm. um during uh, that we had two students throughout the time that i went to school there i was like i moved in it's like wait a minute where where why is everybody here so white mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like, it was a culture shock for me to move to a place that didn't have any you know ethnic Mm-hmm. Variation, like it was just. Um, so when we did have that one black student, I was like, "Hey, how are things going?" You know, just trying to like you know make him feel comfortable. And I think he was only there for maybe a semester, so I don't know that his experience was as good, perhaps, as the guy that was in your school. Mm-hmm. Um, he always looked kind of. I think I, I don't know where he came from. I always tried to make you know conversation with him. I never had any classes with him. I think he was a grade or two younger than me. And um, his locker was in the same row, but, you know, I saw maybe like once or twice a week and he never looked thrilled to be there. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was Mm -hmm. he was kind of thrown in cultural shock. And then all of the students in the school who had never gone to school, you know, with anybody other than other white kids Mm -hmm. um, were kind of like, we don't know how to deal with this. And I can't imagine that there probably wasn't some sort of level of racism, but. You know, I didn't see or hear anything, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I I went to school with uh, in a thousand people school mm-hmm. basically, with a handful of African American students and a handful of Asian students and a lot of Native American students and a lot of Latino and Latina students, mm-hmm. and they got a lot of racism and it was very open and there was like, no disguising it. So, yeah. I grew up pretty steeped in that sort of horrible place. Mm. It's interesting uh, when you said um, how uh, you know uh, race pervades more than we, um, uh, more than we give it credit uh, credit for more things than, than we give uh, give it credit for a lot of the time, um, because as a British person living in the states, the one thing that um, I do find quite amusing is when. Um, uh, Americans point to the B- British class system and say we don't yeah. have that. Right. And it's like 
to to me it's so obvious that yeah. you do mm-hmm. only it's, just... it's drawn along different lines yeah and those mm-hmm. lines tend to be you know color mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's and it's and it's there you know mm-hmm. but but talking of color and in a bid to lighten the mood a bit although it's real i have to say before we move on okay. i'm fascinated by how many serious topics and serious conversations Show as bad as cop rock has inspired us to have. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, that's, that's fascinating. That's the thing is that you say a show as bad as cop rock, and yet it is full of really interesting ideas. Oh, it is, mm-hmm. and, and some great performances and yeah. some mm-hmm. great songs. Yeah, yeah. Which you'll we'll see anyway. listeners in our what do we call it? <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack. Theme, oh, the soundtrack. Whatever, soundtrack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sort of like there will be a hopefully a Spotify playlist which will oh, totally. accompany this uh, podcast series. And people yeah. can link onto it so they'll get the Spotify mm-hmm. link. I don't yeah. even know how to use Spotify. I, I bet we can create a YouTube playlist too. Oh, yeah. Oh, let's do it. Totally. I, I have to say, there is already a YouTube um, playlist of Cop Rock songs. But I think it's I think it has all the Cop Rock songs. Oh, yeah. yeah and believe me, listeners, you don't want to be trolling through all that shit. No. We'll get the concise top yeah. 10 to 15. Yeah. Totally. Because there's 11 episodes. I think we're going to have at least 15 yeah, songs. I think so. Yeah. Which totally. will be a good, you know, nice yeah. long yeah. listen. Yeah. Nice sample. Nice mm-hmm. album. Yeah. Perfection. Exactly. <laughs> Such a good song. <laughs> Such an awesome okay. song. Sorry. So, Totten of Colour. I did not enjoy Knott's Landing's Terry Austin's character Trish's uh, silky deck chair oh, blouse. that was weird. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was upsetting on several levels. I mean, I just... Purple and yes. gray. Yeah, and I was just kind of thinking the amount of static electricity coming off that woman. Yeah, for real. Yeah. She's got to... She has to stuff static cling, like you know like dryer sheets yeah she has to stuff them under her clothes at all times yeah or I'm sure that like the usage of Aquanet probably <laughs> offsets some of that static <laughs> charge <laughs> that was maybe know. she wasn't even using Aquanet maybe it was just all the static charge <laughs> was going like from her chest area up to her head maybe it's no wonder she's sex mad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what happened to the mayor's hair Possibly. Maybe that's what made the mayor's sex mad. Mm. Static electricity from her blues on. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, you know, to be fair, Gaines, because we have uh, Officer Gaines going to mm. see uh, Knott's Landing's mm-hmm. Terry, uh, Terry Austin's character Trish at one point, uh, and he obviously finds it a turn on because mm-hmm. he, um, oh. he, he, he gives yeah, her the old uh, come on doesn't he but then that's not exactly heart. surprising because uh, uh, you know she walks in on him fondling the norks on that onyx <laughs> Egyptian statue yeah so you know if he's into that then yeah. of course he's going to be into you know any any kind of norks yeah. <laughs> he's like he's still kind of my favourite cop on the show mm-hmm. but that's an embarrassing scene. Yeah. But I will say that that I, I can't get the full name, but Trish. Terry. Yeah. Trish, yeah. yeah. She's, uh, her no to him is yeah. a no for the ages. Oh, yeah. my Lord. I loved her again. Yeah. Yes. 
I was like, she lays it on the line. <laughs> yeah. It's not just no, is it? It's kind of no, I find you repugnant in, yeah. in like mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, everything. Yeah. And like I say, this coming from a woman who's wearing a silky deck chair, I mean, <laughs> what a massive slap in the face. <laughs> this coming from a woman who's been willing to bone a dude with T-Rex arms. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I would yeah. prefer games of Rolleruso any oh, day. Any day. But, any day. Yeah. But, yeah. No comments. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Right. Do you take them both in the parking garage? <laughs> <laughs> oh my you're god. You're like, you're the parking garage north and you're the parking garage south. <laughs> that parking garage scene oh. where Gaines has lost his car? Nine floors north, south, east, and west. Christ, it's like Disneyland. Hey, that's a cute song. Yes. But. It was clearly filler. And B, what parking garage has a dude on a golf cart to drive you to your car? I fucking love that golf cart, though. I kind of oh, yeah. want it. I would rather drive that golf cart around than a lot of cars. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, that, that song, Every Step of the Way or something that song's called. Oh. And it's all about how Gaines is just a massive fucking loser. Well, part of being a good cop is you're supposed to remember things and have all the details. And then well, that's the thing, isn't right, it? Yeah. Because yeah. the guy in the golf cart says, "What do you do for a living?" And the guy says, "I'm a cop." And yeah. then he drives away, laughing hysterically. Yeah, yeah, as you would. And he loses his keys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought that song um, had lots of promise, but it, it, but uh, in the end, it kind of went nowhere. A bit like Gaines, because he'd lost yeah. his key, so he actually couldn't go. And I don't think it uh, it helped that the accompanying video was just like Gaines walking around a car park, mm-hmm. and then like about a thousand close-ups of different signs. <laughs> like, no entry, <laughs> exit only, <laughs> level six B. Exactly. Like what I will point out is it was real cheap to film. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As was the... Well, because I, I wrote right after that song, so I don't know if it was in, like, right after that scene, gas was $1.34, apparently. Oh. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, so I saw that, and I was like, oh, that seemed kind of high at the time, though. That's but Southern LA, yeah. yeah. Southern California, rather. Yeah. And then the following scene is when it becomes official that Ralph, father-husband is a crazy door-to-wife stalker. Oh, my God. That scene. What the fuck uh, was he going to do? What, shoot him? You think he was going to shoot them? He was going to shoot them. Yeah. He's gonna, he was going to shoot them. If they were having sex, he was going to shoot them. He basically but, follows um, Vicky and Andy to a motel, and they're laughing, joking and laughing, and going into the room in the motel. He goes in and with his gun out. Yeah. And then bursts... Down the door. He doesn't give them any time to get their clothes off. No, exactly. Or get in the shower or out of the shower or have a little foreplay. Yeah. He's just like, guns a-blazing, finding the man with the red-brown bra. <laughs> now, that is a funny scene. Spoiler alert. Again, yeah. I wish they had given us more. I would rather watch the scene of Andy and Vicky questioning the dude who has been called, who's called the police and is lying there in his red bra and panties. I would rather watch the scene of them questioning him to find out what that story was than watch Ralph, or whatever the fuck Prostatitis' name is, <laughs> watch Captain Prostatitis 
fucking embarrass himself, A, be horrible to his wife, mm-hmm. C, lie to his wife by saying he'll believe her, and then telling her that she does not believe her, um, and D, uh, ruin another good opportunity for a like, prescient and ahead-of-its-time stalking storyline that they just flush down the toilet mm-hmm. yeah. by having it not actually be about the fact that he is, in fact, a fucking stalker. Of his own wife. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I was listening to Woman's Hour, because of course I was, um, this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, the episode, or maybe essay, but the episode uh, uh, that they were doing was on stalking. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, they were saying how most people, when they hear the word stalking, think of people, mainly celebrities, being stalked by complete strangers. And they were saying mm. how uh, most people who are stalked are actually stalked by somebody that they know, mm-hmm. and often people they're in a relationship with. Yeah. <sighs> uh-huh. Yeah. So... Kudos to Cuprock for getting that right, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but, so you're telling me that, that that bald man wearing that red bra and knickers, was he alive? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I thought he was yeah, dead. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was, I thought like, he looked handcuffed up and, or something. Yeah. yeah. I thought, because I thought he looked up when Ralph kicked the door in with his he, gun out. He did. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was alive. Oh, I thought he was but dead. But I could be wrong. He could be a corpse. I could just be, like, making the story more interesting. He could be brain. a cop rock corpse, i.e. a very, very cheap extra who couldn't <laughs> stay still. <laughs> Somebody who doesn't even get a SAG card. Exactly. <laughs> Because they don't give him a line. There was plenty of sack. I was going to say, I, I think he earned his sack card in the let's watch cop rock category. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, so it was just a, a dead bald, I can say a dead bald man wearing a red briar and knickers with two policemen, like, standing over him when one of the policemen's father, husband, bursts in and draws a gun on them. And I'm kind of thinking, yeah. do you know what? I'm so sick of seeing that storyline in television shows. Oh, my God. I mean, Jesus Christ, Cockrock, can you be a little bit more original? I actually wrote down, I hope Ralph's prostate fucking explodes. <laughs> I hope his prostate just fucking goes off like a goddamn grenade, and it's over. <laughs> are, are we meant to like him? I think we're supposed to sympathize with him in a weird, like, like sure he's past his prime and so he's supposed to be jealous by but like it's such a weird throwback retro storyline that's so horribly sexist in a lot of mm, ways yeah. that I just cannot cope I think we're not I don't know if we're supposed to hate him so much as we're supposed to feel like well I understand where he's coming from even if he's wrong which no I'm sorry I do understand where he's coming from, and he's wrong, and mm-hmm. it makes him a bad human being. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe this is where the 27-year gap comes from. I mean, the 27 years since they made Coprock to when we're watching it. I don't right. mean the 27-year gap between father, husband, and uh, <laughs> daughter, wife. Which is in no way bad. I've been in relationships where the, the age difference was really significant uh-huh. um, much more significant than 27 years yeah and wow. uh, yeah. you know I mean I think my biggest gap was pushing 50 years like no lie yeah I was 22 or 23 and he was retired anyway wow you know but we had plenty of fun anyway yeah. um, 
and like well there are things like pumps oils <laughs> creams <laughs> pills pills now yeah. Yeah. see I I've even forgotten about the pill that's how that's how um, invested in cop rock I am yeah. <laughs> even the erectile dysfunction kind of uh, 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 help in my head now is 27 mm-hmm. years old <laughs> like, like the fact that he's her husband father doesn't bother me the fact that he acts like he fucking owns her bothers me yeah oh yeah he's just so insecure because she's clearly not into Andy and yeah. she she's like oh yeah. you know like ha 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 whatever and then for her to say I am not in love with him we are not sleeping together and for him to go you're a liar yeah. even though she clearly did exactly what he said for her to do and she was just like I don't know like it'll be really interesting to see how this goes yeah. Yeah. coming forward I mean don't you reckon that her and Andy are going to end up fucking because I hope so yeah. at this point I hope she has an affair with Andy I hope she ditches father husband and yeah. goes off with Andy I hope she bangs him on the hood of the Camaro yeah. I hope that <laughs> I hope that she fucking bangs him on the hood of the Camaro in the guy's front fucking yard I like fuck Ralph the fact, oh god, I hate Ralph so much now. Like it is impossible for me to describe how much I hate him. And I didn't, I didn't mean to just also say that she did what he asked her to do, but like you, that, I that realized how horrible that sounded. Well, but like, <laughs> but like I'm like, she did what he said. <laughs> yeah. like, Which is like another part of the problem, right? Like, oh, the fact that he would even ever say that to her, like, whatever happened to trusting your partner? Whatever yeah. happened to taking them at their word because they're the person that you have decided you can trust more than anybody else in the world? Yeah, like no matter what like uh, I've been in a lot of different kinds of relationships and no matter what the arrangement was in any of those relationships like I was they were all built on the notion that at least this is somebody I'm supposed to be able to trust mm-hmm. you know and like I felt like as a partner in that relationship I was some part to some degree I had a responsibility to engage actively in that trusting mm-hmm. yeah there has know? to be trust right and Actually, in all honesty now, I have to say something. I think perhaps the two of you are coming across on this podcast as being, I don't like to say unlikable, <laughs> but, you know, that, if, that, if that's the word that's just, you know, that's, that's in the ether right now, then we're just going to have to use it. But I think I know a way that we can, like, uh, switch this round. Mm-hmm. turn it to our advantage what about if we put a small child in a deep hole <laughs> and you can get them out <laughs> I think that would make all of the listeners uh, like us a lot more totally. let's put a small yeah. child yeah. Is her, shall her name be Jessica oh yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah because so, I'm trying to remember, was that 90, yeah. mm-hmm. 91? Yeah. Well, that was, that was earlier than that. Because they were, they were referencing that. Yeah. So this, I, I want to say that was late 80s, early or mid 80s, maybe. So this was actually a part of the episode, right? Where the spin yes. doctor, the female spin doctor with the 90s glasses, mm-hmm. said to LaRusso, because uh, in a bid to make him more likable, that they, they could perhaps put a small child in a deep hole and then he could get her out. And then the public would like him again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he poo-poos that idea for for some unfathomable reason. <laughs> I was like, none of their ideas are good ideas. No. 
I would still like to see them do all of those ideas because they would all blow up. Except that it's cop rock. They would drop it in the middle. They would, <laughs> they would set up this ridiculous circumstance and then they would literally just film LaRusso with his tiny T-Rex arms <laughs> reaching towards a hole and then a baby would pop out of it. And they would be like, ta-da, problem solved. Let's move on to the next song that's not about cops. Exactly. Do you think that's why he poo-poos the idea? Because he yeah. knows he would never be able to reach in and grab that child because <laughs> his arms are too fucking small. <laughs> he thinks they're mocking him. Yeah. But you know what you said about, like, it'd be great if they actually did try all of these things? Yeah. If Cop, a montage. If Cop Rock was made today, then those attempts would be a special online webisode series. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. They'd be like an online-only yes. spin-off. I would. They'd be like a little five-minute segments. Yeah. It would be like, you know, tune into... Exactly. You know, check out CW.com for footage <laughs> of LaRusso trying to save a baby Jessica clown. I think one of those little, like, trash polar receptacle <laughs> things, like the little extender arms. <laughs> ching, 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 ching. <laughs> Grab onto the suction cup, girl. Come on. <laughs> like a seen-on-TV grabber. Thing. Right. Yeah. One of the things that get more people in hospitals. Right. You know, my yeah. mom got one at some point. I was like, I'm like, do you really need this? Uh, my mom got one. Yeah. yeah. I actually need one of those. So. Yeah. Um, okay. not, not for just daily use, but for a specific <laughs> problem. <laughs> <laughs> one we can't talk about okay. on our family podcast. <laughs> um, so, uh,. Next thing I've got is the Andy and Ralph father-husband confrontation scene in the yeah. locker room. I didn't even make any notes because yeah, I hate them so much. Yeah. See, I uh, when uh, I had a bit of a reverie at this one because I, I love the bit where um, Andy says to father-husband, "Hey, Ralph, don't walk away from me." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was going to be like the uh, preamble to a weird angry homoerotic version of Sharon Meatloaf's A Real Dead Ringer for Love because <laughs> it really kind of felt like that right mm-hmm. it felt like it was building up to that because mm-hmm. they were like they, they were back to back they were having this argument mm-hmm. and then Ralph walks away and Andy turns around and says hey Ralph don't you walk away from me mm-hmm. and then I was waiting for him to say you know well you know, was it since I can remember you've been hanging around the joint <laughs> and just like oh my god this is going to turn into something amazing but sadly it didn't because Ralph just carried on walking yeah no I wanted an angry duet I wanted an angry fight duet yeah I wanted something straight out of West Side Story yes I started to say West Wing that would be a very different <laughs> musical um, it have a lot of words in it it would yeah. they'd, be, they'd walk a lot they'd have to walk through Games a lot of corridors and the parking deck would have been would have fit right in to a sort of West Wing that's like a proto West Wing scene yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite perfected it at that point it's just one bloke yeah. in a parking lot like but I I don't know. Like, they there are so many times actually in this episode where I think they could have put in a song that would have been about what the story was, what was happening in the story. Mm-hmm. That would have been so much better. Yeah. If they had just been a little more ambitious. Yes. But sadly, we were denied. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to watch Andy and Ralph point at each other. I want to watch Andy and Ralph sing a song about how much they hate each other or how they're going to kill each other or whatever. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I want a big number about this storyline to try to make it better. Yeah. And, I'm, and I, I do think my idea had, has merit. 
Because when totally. you think about it, Ralph is a bit like Meatloaf. Oh, totally. And Andy could totally pass his share if you put a big wig on him and fishnets. I would say Andy is definitely the share of the precinct. Yeah. And Ralph is definitely the Meatloaf of the precinct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got Ray in his cowboy outfit. Bless his heart. Which I think we all loved, didn't we? I, I loved it. Here's what I wrote. The mayor may have saved Ray from being outed by a newspaper, but the Pope, two lie detector tests, and a sworn affidavit could not save him from being outed by that shirt. I I know Spurs, right? I was like, who are you kidding? (laughs) They don't need to write a story about you, Ray. They can see you from the moon. Yeah. Okay. I've seen cowboys getting bummed in porn that were less gay than he was in that outfit. <laughs> and I love that outfit, and I love Ray, and I, like, I won't... Uh, and maybe it's the 27 years. I'm not sure that it's the 27 years, though. Because there were plenty of other shows that had characters who were out and proud and were not... Oh, yeah. I mean, the storyline was not how horrified they were that anybody would know. No. The storyline was that other people knew and were mean to them and were assholes. Mm-hmm. 30-something was doing this. 30-something had a gay kiss on primetime television. Mm-hmm. And there were plenty of people who were upset about it. And it was right at this time. But there were other shows doing it and being braver. Billy Crystal was playing gay right. in soap in the late 70s, right? right? And playing a character who was out, who was proud, who was yeah. not a controversy. The, all the storylines about controversy were about the problems other people had with him, not the problems he had with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I want them to play Ray as a big gay proud character who's just like, fuck everybody, I am me. Yeah. Not protect me, but I'm also going to wear this cowboy <laughs> shirt. But he did look good in it. He did. He's a cutie. Yes. So then, did we, is that where we get to the final scene? And again, it's a LaRusso scene. LaRusso seems to get a lot of the final scenes. Because I think the last episode, it was LaRusso on the radio. Mm-hmm. This episode is, is that, um, that dinner in LaRusso's honour. Mm-hmm. That big gala thing. The bail bondsman, which I had no idea what kind of dinner he was at. And then... Yeah, the bail bondsman convention. Yeah. Right. And the host kept coming up with these totally nonsensical one-liners. And it goes back to what you said earlier about the jokes in Cop Rock never make any sense. Zero sense. Whoever was their script fixer or their script doctor for jokes, they needed a script doctor for jokes. What was the best-dressed man? Yeah. The best-dressed man of the Ayatollah's funeral. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. No. (laughs) Like, it's just word salad. It's, it yeah. doesn't, it it doesn't is. mean anything. And people are like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah and there's like Barb, the bail bonds lady, who's like sitting there with her like big glasses, her big Sally Jesse glasses and her like tight perm. Yeah. And she's just like, <laughs> the, the whole audience found that guy hysterically funny. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, it's the, it's the jogger wearing a rubber joke all over again. Yeah. It's like, why is that funny? Why is Larissa being voted the best dressed man at the Ayatollah's funeral funny? Why is he so tough that when he smokes in bed, he lies face down. Yeah, because, like, a house fire joke is hysterical. I know. Somebody having their face burnt off. Like, uh, it's just, it's so weird. 
It just makes no sense. <laughs> Although I will know that when he said that, and we were all like, what the fuck, while we're watching the episode, I, I, I think I have read that Craigslist ad. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've never written that Craigslist ad, but I'm pretty sure I've read it. So, Yeah. And then, uh, before LaRusso gets to do his little speech, um, the host kind of says, we've got a little surprise for you. We've got this uh, scantily clad all-female rock band. Um, to come on uh, and are they really called Brenda and the Bust Monsters no bus. Bus, bus as in like the public transit oh okay not because, bust well because they were quite scantily clad and you could see their busts and I was thinking Brenda and the Bust Monsters I think that's just uh, because they're in a band I think right. Brenda and the Bust Monster Bust Monsters would make more sense than Brenda and the Bus Monsters. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out was that like was that like a reference to another band yeah. that was a real band? Is that like some sort of weird transliteration of the group's real name? I don't, I don't know. I don't get that. I really wanted them to turn out to have been a band that people have heard of. Mm-hmm. And so while their song was playing, I was furiously Googling who, <laughs> who, <laughs> who played Brenda and the Bus Monsters. And nobody on the internet, as far as I can tell, is talking about that question. But their video, the video of that, in that playlist of all the songs uh-huh. from Pop Rock, has been viewed like 660 times. Wow. We can't all be Brenda. Can all be Brenda. And Can the bus monsters. Them? Where are they now, Brenda and the bus monsters? Because, <laughs> like, the song is actually a good song. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of cool that it was an all-chick band. And totally. they were, like, you know, yeah. rocking it. Yeah. Because that was kind of the era of the 90s hair dudes that mm-hmm. looked like chicks that, you know, <laughs> they were good. But it was kind of awesome to have an all-lady yeah. band. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, again, like we were saying, it made sense. Because they were on stage and they were mm-hmm. singing a song. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I've always been a big fan of, of the Bangles and the Go Go's and yeah. Panorama and like all kinds of like girl rock groups, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that was really, I really loved that song. Yeah, what what was it? <laughs> it was uh, "Find Me a Cop Who's Not Who Doesn't Shoot Blanks." <laughs> I, even, I was even googling <laughs> lyrics from the song while I was playing and all I could ever find was that one YouTube video oh okay well show notes yeah Brenda if you're listening I, let us know where you and the rest of the bust monsters are now because yeah. I, I could book them for something like I would book them into a party any old time okay. they were great yeah I think we all loved them mm-hmm. yeah and then I only have one more note, and that was the fact that LaRusso's final speech was almost Trumpian. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two notes on that. <clears throat> LaRusso asks, what, arrange, what happened to take away good schools or good streets or good cities? Yes, this is 1990. Um, and my answer is, Reagan happened, boyfriend. That's what happened. <laughs> uh, infrastructure spending went away so that rich people could have bigger tax breaks. This is a problem that might sound familiar Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Worth considering. Um, and LaRusso's crazy ass populism plus law and order cocktail is awfully fucking scary these days because yeah. it sounds so familiar. Mm-hmm. And what really freaked me out was are we su- meant to support what he says? I couldn't, I couldn't work out, once again, I couldn't work out where the show was kind of, you know, 
positioning us in relation to what LaRusso says. Mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, I kind of think he's just spouting a load of old shit and he's such a such an untrustworthy character and yet I, I also can't escape the feeling that the show's trying to rehabilitate him or to try and you know show his side of things I'm I'm really confused by it mm-hmm. and I don't know whether it's because you know there is a there is a distance of twenty seven years, and politics have changed considerably. And you know, I, you know, I'm not of that time, not even of the country. You know, I, I I just don't know. But you know, and the politics are scarily the same twenty seven yeah. years later, mm-hmm. hearkening back to the good old days. I'm like, why can't we just enjoy where we're at now and fix the shit that we've got in front of us instead of going, oh, what happened to our safe shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. History happened. Mm-hmm. Well, and the 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 idealized past that is described to us by that sort of political very, figure has never existed. No. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But I tell you one thing though: the fact that it keeps me guessing makes me want to come back for more. It does. I actually do want to watch the next episode. So do I. I'm interested. I'm hooked. So, coprophiliac. Where did we ever figure out? Copophilia? Copophilia. Oh, that's what I meant. <laughs> nope. We were talking about nope. it. Because nope. they're clearly making a reference to this. Right. Yeah. So so where have we decided it's them having sex in the dark booth at the bar? Oh, yeah. We didn't mention that, did we? Yeah. So I can't tell. I, I think it's, I would say it's more that it's kind of like they should have had a fireplace or a train go by because there was clearly some sex about to happen up in that bar. She's like, no, we're not leaving. Yeah. I, 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 well, I'm, I still reckon it was that bald dude in the red bra and panties. Yeah. And he was, he was about to get shat on. <laughs> Before the cops came or yeah. after the cops left? Like maybe, was, maybe that's why they were there. Well, if he called 911 or maybe he was handcuffed and somebody called 911 and left. Well, in the UK... The police are often disparagingly referred to as the filth. So he uh, might have dialed one eight hundred filth, yeah, and got the wrong sort. Yeah, no. got cops instead of uh, filth. Yeah, cops, not craps. <laughs> no, that's going on craps a T-shirt. By, craps by cocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's all cops, craps, and. Cox. <laughs> Cox. <laughs> it does sound like somebody posh saying Cox, doesn't it? It does. Cox. 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 Watch out for them Cox. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like people having a conversation in the back room at the House of Lords. It is, yeah. Well, that would be all, yeah, very you know, kinky shit. I bet it would. A bunch of rich old posh people getting bored out of their minds and deciding it's time to do something real crazy. <laughs> do a poo on each other. Dressed <laughs> up in red bra and panties. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. There was that lord, wasn't there? Was it last year or the year before? And he, there was a picture of him on the front of a, a newspaper and he was dressed up in, a, in red bra and panties. Probably the sun. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, good cop, bad cop, and innocent bystander. 
Who's who? My initial thought was I want a bad cop all the way. I don't really have any definitive reason why, but I was just kind of like, thank God this episode's done. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, the music overall wasn't terrible. I feel like it was kind of one of those train wrecks that you kind of want to keep looking at, but you can't really look away mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, bringing things to light, but not having any resolution. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm bad cop, but if anybody else could be a worse cop, <laughs> I could be bad cop number one, or you guys can be good and or innocent. Well, I don't think you liked it very much. Well, where are you going? Well, I'm happy to be good cop for um, two weeks running because, okay, I'll just listen, right? Let's be careful out there. Mm-hmm. It's a great song with a, you know, with a, Cock <laughs> and the podium that swings round and becomes a, a big organ, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm never averse to seeing a big organ. <laughs> <laughs> um, that Ray actually got had his first storyline, mm-hmm. and you know, admittedly it went nowhere, but there was Ray. Um, there was uh, two briefing scenes, so it actually felt more like a cop show because they were doing cop work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. I mean, the the jogging in the rubber joke was uh, it, 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 it didn't end up in my plus column. Um, there was furiously turning the pages trying to find something positive (laughs) Um, there was uh, Terry Austin turning down uh, Terry Austin's character Trish turning down uh, gains in no uncertain terms Mm -hmm. that was a pretty good burn I thought Um, we did have a kind of climax to the Ralph being a creepy stalker storyline. Mm-hmm. At least something happened. And, you know, that man in a red bra and panties, that was kind of, that was a funny scene. Well, it could have been a funny it scene. Could, right? have could have been a funny scene. Um, and, um, oh, I, don't, I shouldn't have been good cop because now I've got Ray in his cowboy outfit again and I've already played the, the Ray card. But also the... Um, uh, Brenda and the Bust Monsters. Seriously, that was pretty awesome. Okay. Um, so I guess that makes me an innocent bystander. It doesn't make you an innocent bystander. I guess that should have been an innocent bystander because no, I would no, really I'm, love to hear you just like rip this episode <laughs> apart. No, I think that's what we've done for the last hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> True. Yeah, pretty much. But I, uh, I'm actually very happy to be an innocent bystander because there's so many things in this episode that I started out loving and ended up being disappointed by. I love the wacky setup of the dude in the bra and panties in the hotel room, and then I'm completely disappointed by it. It just devolves into, actually, Ralph is kind of an abusive husband emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I was really into the song, um, Let's Be Careful Out There. Mm-hmm. And I'm even, I'm really into shout-outs to other, song, other shows, allusions to other shows, homages, that kind of thing. Except I didn't actually like Kill Street Blues. And I don't and I feel like all he's doing is reminding people of a better cop show he'd made years before. Um 
I also the the cop's reaction to let's be careful out there is just hysterically jarring to me <laughs> in that they have this lack of reaction. So here's this great song that people literally fall asleep during. Um, you see, but if I can uh, 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 advocate uh, for, for it. that, um, the it is meant to be just an, uh, a run-of-the-mill briefing. Yeah, but in every other time that we see there be a song in the show, other people are participants in the song. But you see, that's because every other time it's been wrong. And this time they did it right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair. I'll sure. Like the classical music, the the musical yeah. styling. Like mm-hmm. when we were saying that Vicky reacted the way that most people in musical that's true. Yes. Yeah, that's true. But mm-hmm. I feel like this song, this show, they really do a lot of times react to some aspect. I'm trying to think of, yeah. it's either solos or the whole group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of all the people living under the bridge, or all the people getting busted yeah. by coke, or oh, I'm trying to remember the other songs. All of the people in the plastic surgeon's office. Or, he's guilty. He's guilty. Mm-hmm. He's guilty. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I feel like there, this episode is chock full of moments that I love, like uh, Brenda and the bus monsters, mm-hmm. and then immediately followed by moments that I'm like, oh. Like Lyris's speech. So in the end, all the pluses and minuses kind of cancel each other out for me for this okay. episode. And I was like, well, this wasn't a terrible episode, but it's definitely not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's my favorite either, but it's definitely left me wanting more. I think that's called Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note... <laughs> Let's go get more some more. Caprock. More <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, listener, go cop yourself. (laughs) Go cop a feel of yourself, even. Absolutely. Delightful. Let's Watch Cop Rock is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. The theme music for Let's Watch Cop Rock is The Crime by Risework, released under a Creative Commons non-commercial share-alike 3.0 license. And don't forget, you can find us on Twitter as at CopRocker and at Officer Orifice. And I was punished, I did my time, and now the jury in silent main has passed the verdict, seems I must blame, or maybe fate.